This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, you're listening to Beyond the Ballot Box. I'm Dashran Johan. On the 24th of October, a party socialist Malaysia activist, Chong Yishan, was left with a bloodied face after being shoved by an officer from the Para Land and Mines Office, PTG, at a farm in Kantan, Tambun. This can be seen on videos released by PSM. On top of that, PSM chairperson Dr. J. Kumar Devraj, alongside a couple of other PSM activists and a farmer named Ho Pon Tien, was arrested. This was after farmers and activists attempted to stop the officers who went to the location with bulldozers and excavators to evict six farmers. But who are the Kantan farmers and what exactly are they fighting for? Joining me on the show to put things into perspective is Dr. J. Kumar Devaraj, Chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kumar. Thank you for inviting me. So you were arrested and released on Tuesday. Um, you know, before we get to what exactly happened, um, I just want to know, you're, you're, you were also released uh, on that night itself. How are you and the rest of the activists feeling right now? Actually, the arrest wasn't too bad. I mean, they're quite you know, kind to us, the police. They didn't handcuff us and they just didn't put us in the lockup either. We just mm-hmm. sat in the office for a while. But we are quite um, upset that we didn't manage to stop the, the, the destruction of the farms. You know, because after we were arrested, they just went in and they flattened everything. They bulldozed down the, the oil palm trees. They went into the to the corn fields, the jagong, and just slashed them down. Then there were a couple of fields which were fell over. They said we finished harvesting, but they just ran the bulldozer all over the field to break up the, the irrigation uh, pipes. So it was vicious. So they've actually destroyed the whole, the, all the farms, the six farms. Uh, which were the source of livelihood for six farmers. And also, mm. we didn't manage, we were trying to stop that. So actually, basically, we failed, despite all what we did. It was a failure on our part. Before we talk about what went down and what led to the arrest, I think it's important to put things into context. Who are the Kantan farmers? These farmers Kantan. are people who've been there for about three generations. Right. There's a whole lot of them, you know, around the major cities uh, in Malaysia. And they uh, began farming in the 1930s, Mm. uh, you know, because the immigrant labor who came in for the tin mines, for the plantations, and, you know, those who were working in the towns as, uh, you know, distribution of goods and services required food. So some of the immigrants who came in, the Chinese who came in, opened up government land, uh, immigrant land, and and, and produced uh, vegetables. This began in those days, and we have farmers whose grandparents actually began this in the late 1920s, 1930s. And the British allowed them to carry on because they were providing food cheaply to the workers in the plantations and in the mines and reducing the cost of living, which then meant that the British could make more money out of profits because it could keep the wages low. The British allowed them, even during the emergency, when the, all these farmers were actually living on the land, living at, on the farm itself, were all collected into about 500 plus Chinese new villages, right? Right. When that happened, the British allowed them to go back and farm during the daytime. They had to come back by 6.30 or something, as curfew. But they allowed them to farm because they were they were serving the economic need of right. the nation. And after independence, the independent government also obviously knew they were there. 
didn't do anything to evict them because you know, they were using previously unused land or they were using land that had been disused in mines. So this allowed them to be there. In fact, in 1974, Tun Razak, the prime minister then, uh, urged the land departments to encourage more food production and said, it doesn't matter who owns the land, ownership is not important, food production is important. So there was government policy in 1974, the Green Book Plan. So they were there with the knowledge of the authorities right up to now. And right now, in the area of Kantan, Tanah Hitam, Chantat Kinding, Kuala Kuang, we have about 200 plus farmers, right. 250 farmers, who are, being, who are being threatened with eviction. These are the farmers who, are being, who have got eviction notices from legal firms or, or from the government. Uh, they're killing about, about 2,000 acres of land and producing about 70, 80 tons of vegetable fresh produce per day. Right. And that's the group that we are working with. Not only this group, but we have another eight groups with these numbers. So this is what, who's, who they are. So the, I think there was a very, uh, I think you really gave a good overview there. Um, let's take it um, step by step and break it down, right? Because um, like you mentioned, um, these farmers have been cultivating this land since the time of British colonization of Malaya. Could you contextualize this for me a little bit more? Um, because right now there are six farmers. Are we talking about like multi-generation um, of farmers, the same group of farmers who have been there since the, the colonization period or has it been like a different group of farmers on the on the same land? Could you contextualize that for us? It's a bit of both. You know, There mm -hmm. are farmers who can trace back and say, my grandfather opened this plot and my father used it and my uncle used it and right. now I'm using it. Then there are farmers who are saying, oh, so-and-so opened it up. Then after that, his son was working on it. Then after that, his grandson was not interested. So the, 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 the second generation uh, sold it to me, you know, because sold the rights to the use of rights. So, so I'm taking it over for the last 15 years. But they're the same communities. Eh? Like even these farmers who've been kicked out now, some of them will go and see, and there'll be some older farmers in their 70s who can't carry on and their family members are not keen to be farmers. They'll either rent it from them or do some kind of lease agreement and take over their lands. But basically, it's a farming community, the whole... They are in the, in the Kantan, there's a new village. Right. You know, them are there. There's also a new village in Kuala Kuang. There's another one in Jimba Panjang. So these are all farmers in that community around there who use the land. So after independence, um, when the, when the you know, uh, when we got independence, the British left, um, the Malaysian um, uh, administrations, the uh, polit political parties, the governments take over, how did the government, what was the government's stance on land ownership at that time? And how has the government's stance on land ownership and cultivation changed over time? Okay, see, when we took over, we continued the same uh, torrent system of land ownership. Right. Basically, the British came in, they brought in their system. See, before the British came in under the, the, the Malay uh, Sultanate and all that, there's no such thing as formal titles. People just use the land and then they paid some rental or some, some kind of payments to the local, you know, uh, aristocracy and you know, some of it went to the king, you know, and, uh, and, and, and they could just open new land as they wanted to, you know, I just, and it's more or less as usufruct rights. If you use the land, there's some control over it, but they couldn't sell the land. I mean, they couldn't sell the land to someone else. That's for the king to do, you know? Right. You can't just simply go and sell land. It's not yours to sell. You can use it. So that's the kind of 
right? Even the orang asli have it now, you know. You right. Old land. You, you you use it, and if you use it, the, the community recognizes your right over its produce, but you're not you're not entitled to sell it. But the British changed all that. They brought this whole thing of titles. Hmm. So they got the grant, then the land becomes your exclusive right, which you can use as you like, and you can sell it. And the British used that. That power was concentrated in the resident. And the resident gave out lands to British companies for mining and for plantation. Give thousands of acres, and it didn't matter who was there because he didn't recognize his front rights. He didn't recognize previous occupation. It's just a question: of the land is all state land. All land that is untitled is state land, and the state can give it to whoever you like. Right. And it doesn't matter who's been there or what the history is, how many years you've been there. It doesn't matter. You can just give it. So that's the law, the British practice, and that's the law in which we took. Over when we became independent, and we codified it into the National Land Code, where we brought together all the state enactments together to make it uniform in '65. But basically, it's the, it's the British system, which concentrated power in the state authority to to control land. We can give it to anyone you wanted. So that's what we kept, and and in that law, there's no recognition of the previous history of the land. Right. Like in this case, of your grandfather came 60 years ago, opened the land, and used it. And the fact that uh, the, the, the previous administrations recognized you being there, but didn't ask you to move. All that doesn't now play a part in your rights over the land. Right. You, are, you are, if you're not holding a, a title, then you are deemed illegal, a squatter. And the fact that you might have applied doesn't make a difference. So, so that's the situation now. So, as I understand. Um, You know these farmers continued to toil um, and and work on this land for the decades after independence, and they still didn't have a land title or anything. Um, and then they made a deal with PKNP in 2012. What can you tell me about the nature of this deal? Okay, see PKNP was given about three thousand acres of land in this area. Mm. Uh, PKNP is a is a state enterprise. It is set up by uh, enactment of the Perak uh, Perak uh, legislature. The chairperson is the is the chief minister. And the person who gives out land in Perak also is the chief minister. So chief minister, as Menteri Besar gave land to the PKNP, which is his. So anyway, the PKNP got his land. Right. So initially, they wanted to come. They came and gave uh, letters and saying, "Look, this land owns. They're staying on our land." Uh, we want to go into a lease agreement with you. We'll give you uh, all two to three acres each, and you got to pay us rental of so much per year, and and, and so on and so forth. Hmm. And the people were interested. The farmers were interested. They said, "Okay, you know," because it, it kind of it kind of uh, formalizes things. So many of them actually signed the forms and gave it back to them. But then I think PKNP then got other ideas. They said maybe we'll make more money. In other ways, you know, so they didn't go ahead with this thing despite the people signing up. Right. So in 2016, about 11, 12 of these 200 plus farmers took a legal case. That we didn't organize that. That they organized themselves, and they took the uh, PKNP to court, saying that look, you made promises and you haven't delivered. And it went to court, and the, the PKNP agreed to a consent agreement, saying that okay, 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 you can use the land. We won't evict you for the next. So, 2017 was a consent agreement saying for the next five years, you can use the land. This is for, this is for the specifically 11 or 12 fellows who took the, but they're part of the whole 200 who were given the original offer. Right. 
And they were told you can use the land for the next five years. And after that, we'll try and look for alternative land for you if you need the land. So that's where it stood, is it? But in the meantime, PKMP has been, they've been saying it wants to develop a, a, a high-tech park. Hmm. That's, the, that's the official reason given. But we have, we have instances where they've sold parts of the land to developers. You know, like there's one area in the south of the region where in Kuala Kwan, Kuala Kwan part of it, where they sold about 48 acres to a company called KM Majubina. Uh, but what is funny about it is because they sold it at 5 million and the actual price of that land is about 15 million. They sold for 5.8 million. Right. 15 million. So you wonder why were, if PKP wanted to monetize its, its land assets, why was it doing it at such a low rate right. with, this, with this company? You know, so in fact, we, we com- so they tried to evict that company, then came to evict the, the farmers. And uh, we stopped them, we filed a court case, and, and then we forced them into the courts, and now it's dragging, you know? Right. So now they want to kick out the farmers before selling the land, I think. Because they know they sell the land and, and the private fellow comes, he's got less rights. You know, he's got to come through the court process. And then we can we can question things. We can hold it up. So it delays it. Whereas they do it this way using a, what they try to do, what they've done in, in, in Kantan. They give us a four to five notice for one week, one week, one week duration notice. We, of course, tried to file a, a judicial review, but we couldn't get it into the courts in time. So we had nothing nothing legal to protect us. And then they come in. So, so I think it's a new tactic to get us out of the way. Because if they sell, they give it the land, they sell the land to anyone else, and then that guy is stuck, you see, so maybe we're doing this. Let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Dr. Jayakumar Devaraj, Chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia. We will continue our conversation after these messages. Keep it here on Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Beyond the Ballot Box. I'm Dachran Johan and on the show with me today is Dr. Jayakumar Devraj, Chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia and we're talking about the Kantan farmers. So let's talk about um, the farmers um, and their contributions, right? What have been the contributions of these farmers, the farmers uh, in Kantan to the people of Pera? A number of things. The one is, of course, they're producing food, vegetables, fruit, freshwater fish, duck farms. So these things are produced, uh, so you're getting some food security in Malaysia. So so that is one thing they're doing. The other thing they're doing is they are providing uh, economic activity, you know. So for these farmers, they employ people to work. So of course, they're paying wages, people buy things, it includes aggregate demand, they, they buy fertilizer, they buy pesticides, so their shops supplying that, then they're selling the stuff, so there's a whole wholesale and retail so the whole economy of that region is uh, actually the, the farming farming activity is a very important uh, motor motor of economic you know activity. So we kill off these things. A lot of people will have to then migrate to other places to look for work because you know. So this is uh, so this is what they they're doing: food, as well as providing economic opportunity and uh, generating local aggregate demand. 
how has the farming community, um, together with PSM, um, how have they been organising themselves to fight for what is rightfully theirs? Because this has been, like you said, it's a long-standing issue. It's been going on for quite some time, perhaps uh, intensifying in recent years. How? Give us a sense of how they have organised themselves to fight for their rights. Uh, these farmers, they formed, uh, uh, they call it the... Kantan farmers, scientific farming, something like new modern. Persatuan Petani Modern Kantan. They formed this in 2006 or 2007. Uh, something done by them. Uh, they didn't contact us then. And they've been contacting all the political parties, you know, trying to get people to help them, contacting the state. Uh, they got contacts with uh, YB Husni, who was the Tambun MP then. And he's been, he was supportive, gave them letters and all that. So they've been trying to negotiate. And I think uh, Husni was the one who got PKNP to talk to them. And so they've been trying. But later, you know, when they were getting eviction notices, then they came to us because they found they couldn't get help anywhere else. And they forced to come to PSM because no one else was helping them. When was this? Around even 2016, 2017, they're still negotiating and they right. took the case independent of us. You know, so it's around the time, 2017, 2018. Right. You know, they were more coming to us and then we were helping them get lawyers to mm. go back. And we are going to the ground, help them fight off, you know. So that's when they came to us. So they want to get some... So actually what their demands now are that can the government gazette this whole area as farming, farming land, for reasons of food security, and they're not asking for grants because if they got the grants, they too can sell it to developers. They're saying, don't really give us grants, give us leases, 10 years or 15 years leases, uh, with the proviso that we only grow food that relations can consume, you know, vegetable, fruits, whatever. And that if you leave it fellow for more than a certain length of time, more than a year, you can take it back and give it to another farmer. And when we, when we get to own, we take it away and give it to another farmer. So, but keep it as farmland and give leases to people who are prepared to do farming. And uh, I mean, we'll pay taxes, we'll pay rental. Of course, you tax them too high and the cost of food also will go up. I mean, you can tax them higher, but then, then the cost of vegetables and whatever food they're, they're supplying will go up. But yeah, they're prepared for that. This is what our, demand, our, 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 our appeal is. Have, regulate this, make sure that this whole belt of farming remains as farming area and it's used that way in, for a long time in perpetuity, you know, so that the food security of the country is, that's what they're asking for, what our demand is now. Now, circling back to Tuesday, um, what exactly happened on Tuesday? Because it seemed like this long-standing issue is nearing a sort of unfortunate type of climax um, and, and now the farms have been bulldozed what happened? Could you tell me like what led to Tuesday? Well, they gave a notice on the 13th, mm -hmm. 5 notice under the land office, you know, and it says you've got to move out within a week. So we asked the farmers to go and see our lawyer and they start filing something. But we hadn't had that ready by Tuesday, you see. It only filed on Tuesday morning. So it was like, so by Tuesday, they already came in with the 4 to 5 and they got the police to back them up. So we're trying to stop them and they're trying to get hold of the 
the PTD. PKMP said the PTD is doing it. The PTD said our boss said it. To try to contact that person, then we, they said he will not respond to anyone. In fact, Anwar's office, some of the there were three people from Anwar's office there, the parliamentary office. Mm. And they were also trying to talk for the farmers and saying, hold it off, let's discuss, don't do this. So they also were not given you know, much uh, attention by the uh, PKMP and the PTT. They said, no, we've been caught, we've got our orders, this is a state matter. Even if the Prime Minister tells us we can't do it because we're following PTG and the PTG is following the Mantri Pasar. So we try to contact the Mantri Pasar as well. So we're trying all that things. We're not trying to hold off, trying to play for time, blocking the bulldozers. So we said, we said the bulldozers come, come, we will sit in front of them. And then after a while, they'll, 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 they'll retreat and then we also go to the shade. And after a while, they come again. So it happened about four times. So the, the, the fourth time is when we got caught. We caught the people who were going going in front, blocked the bulldozer, and just grabbed us, then the rest kind of... Dr. Kumar, you, you talk about blocking bulldozers like it's something very normal, um, because this is clearly not your first rodeo. Um, but for a lot of people who may have seen the photographs, um, I mean, it looks like very serious activism, right? You are sitting in front of bulldozers and essentially telling, if you want to bulldoze the farm, you have to go through us. Talk to me about that. How do y'all come to that? How often do y'all have to engage in this kind of activism to get things done? Well, this is what we do even for, you know, when they come to evict squatters and all that. We just block them. And usually, I mean, the bulldozers will stop, you know. In Malaysia, they're not like Israel. You know, that, that girl in Israel got run over by a bulldozer. Right. They, these guys are not not that level, you know. They know they'll, they will not do that. You know? So you're not doing, I mean, you don't, you're not expected, you're not expecting them to run over you, really. I mean, it's not like they're putting our life on the line. The worst that will happen is like what happened to us, we got caught, right? Hmm. We got arrested. And sometimes the process of getting arrested, you get wrapped up a bit if you, if you struggle with them. So... Yeah, then you get put in, and then after that is the hassle. They they may handcuff you, they put you in a smelly lockup, and then they try and remand you, and you can't change. And you know, it's just the hassles, lah. You know, and your family gets like the farmers. You know, the people are new to this, this whole arrest business. Your families get completely, you know, shocked and you know, agitated and really frightened. And so it's that emotional for PSM activists, not so much of emotional trauma because. We've, we've gone through it before, you know, how, you know, we just know it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's not going to be risky. And our families already have been <laughs> educated, so they know that, I think, you know, so yeah, it's, not, it's not such a big deal, really, you know, <laughs> I think, for PSM activists. But, but for the for the local people getting arrested for the first time, it's a major thing. And But us being with them usually is, so usually it's our, it's our SOP that if anyone's getting arrested, we should be among them. Right. So that we are there with them, you know, to reassure them. I mean, they, they, they're fighting because we told them we'd be with you. Yeah. So, so PSM activists will not run away when arrests take place because we, we've got to be together with the people who get arrested. So inside, we can also negotiate. Inside, we can also make sure they're not bullied, you know. How did it turn um, violent in the sense that, you know, the, the videos and photos of Yishan, you know, getting pushed, falling to the ground, flat on her face, bloodied, cracks on her teeth... Well, they, they, that's the time a bit earlier before the bulldozers came in, they were trying to come to that area. So those were, those were the Pajeros were trying to come in, the land office and the PTG, I think the PTG Pajero. And Ishan and some people were trying to block it. 
So they had managed to get past a particular block and Ishan was running to the front to get in front of it again. And that's when the guy pushed her, you see. Yeah, that's what happened. Basically, people are just trying to... Basically, you're playing for time so you could get through to someone who could stop it. Right. Okay. Until we could get our court court things in order and get a court injunction to stop it. You know? So we were just playing for time, but we ran out of time. So some have argued, Dr. Kumar, that ultimately it boils down to who owns the land. And the landowner can do whatever they wish with the land. And I think even when PSM posted um, the, 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 the events that unfolded, obviously you have tremendous support on social media, Twitter and all, but there were also people who are saying, I mean, fundamentally it doesn't matter, right? The, what it boils down to is who owns the land, and in this case the government owns the land so they can do whatever they want with it. How would you respond? I'll beg to disagree. I mean, if the government owns the land you know, and gives it to, and basically all land, all forests, is, is, is government-owned. I mean, I think those that don't have a, a, a grant, don't have a title, it's all government-owned. But I think as citizens, you must see how the land is being used. If you're just leasing land for you know, forest plantation, and since it's my land, I own it, I can do what I want. I don't think it works that way. You know? So I think in this case, there's food security involved. There's livelihood of farmers involved. So I think the government must use its power over the land in a responsible way. And if it is responsible, then there's no harm, you know, why give a one-week notice where you can hardly respond? Why are you so scared of having a, a negotiation process? Why are you scared of going to court? I mean, if you've got such a good good idea for the land and you're being so, you know, irresponsible. I mean, you're in the land, you hold the land for the last 10 years, and why suddenly one-week notice? Well, they're just using the bureaucratic power to get hold of the land. And from what we have seen in a number of instances, the monetizing land, not for the state coffers, not even for PTNP, but for the pockets. So are we saying it's okay, you're a government servant, you're a government official, you're a military person, you're an expo. You can just use your powers over land to make yourself rich. And because it says it's state land, everyone has to keep quiet. No, I think that's a very, very narrow way of looking at it. You know? No, you yes, government has power over land. But that land, that power comes with responsibility, let's say accountability, you know. And I think that's what we need to insist on. Where do we go from here, Dr. Kumar? Because like you said at the start, um, you feel that you have failed um, to protect these farms. And they have come and bulldozed everything, right? Destroyed the crops and all of that. So where do we go from here? What, what are the next steps? What are you going to do? We've already filed a case and the hearing, hearing this morning. You know, We're going to ask like for a stay and take back control of the land. The land goes back to status quo. That means it goes back to the farmers. So you want to stop PKMP, whatever they want to do, we don't show what they want to do with that land, we're going to stop that. And ask them, hey, what happened? You promised to give them alternative land. When are you going to do it? Because they actually have shown us another site, which is up on the hills, uh, back in 2021. And we told them that it's not suitable. Can it, can it discuss? They never came back and discuss. They say, go, 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 go there, go there. But it cannot, it can't be used for vegetable farming. So we want to have negotiations. So we, right now we're in a very weak footing. I mean, we've been kicked out, they've got possession of the land. You go and negotiate, you're not going to get anything. So we're going to, we're going to get back the land, hold it. And so that means whatever they want to do cannot be done. 
talk first. Right. And talk about, we're going to talk about alternative land and you're going to talk about damages. You know, you destroyed all the crops. You're going to cost it and you pay them back. You can't get away with this kind of impunity. This is basically bullying. You're using your bureaucratic power, you know, to bully. The power was only given for you for these purposes. That power was given for you to manage the nation's resources in the way that is best for the nation. Not like this. So you're going to make them pay for this. But otherwise, it's going to happen in other areas as well. So our only, my only fear is the farmers will just give up you know, and say, look, you know, we couldn't do it. No, thank you. Because they are the people with the locusts you know, to do it. So, right. we, them, so we say, look, we, look, we told them, we do, let's do fundraising. You know, we, because obviously these farmers, huh, they cannot pay for the court case. I mean, their source of income is gone, right? Right. They still got to manage their rentals or whatever, you know, household expenses, whatever children studying. They got to handle all that. To ask them to clear the money to get lawyers, I think we can't. So I think we told them, look, we'll raise money. But it's important for you and it's also important for the whole community that we, we fight and make the government know if you do it this way, you cannot get the land. You get, you can make, you succeed in getting the land temporarily, but you're going to make sure that you will not be able to go and do whatever you wanted to do. You know, the salary didn't get a kickback and all those who cannot. You'll just hold on, make you pay. So next time, come and talk to us. Talk to us. We are reasonable. Give us alternative land. We're prepared to go. You know, I mean, let's say, for example, I think a reasonable deal would be find alternative land for these people. Give them a year to prepare that land. Let them keep on harvesting this land so they get income, so they can prepare the new land. And after a year, give it up. I mean, something like that is doable, you know. And if the project is a good project for the for more jobs for Perak or something, whatever, we can we can work with that. But if you just come and give a throw a letter on our face and say one week you're out and you don't out, they come in with all your cops and and hustle it through. You may win round one, but you know, we're not gonna give up. And speaking of not giving up, Dr. Kumar. I want to spend this, uh, the last few minutes um, before we wrap this conversation up to talk about how people can join this fight. Because I do wonder if things would have been different in the sense, because you talk about, you know, you, you said in front of the bulldozer, the goal was to, you know, try and, and prevent what ended up happening from happening. Would it have made a difference if there were 60 people in front of the bulldozer instead of six or 600 people instead of in front of the bulldozer, you know, or 6,000 people in, in front of the bulldozer? How can people join this fight? Well, I think they can. I mean, I mean, coming to sit in the front of the bulldozer is one thing, but, you know, you can also talk to your, your, your uh, elected representatives. The Ali Parliament, the Adums, and tell them you're concerned about food security. You're very concerned this kind of farms in Perak and other areas are just getting destroyed. And so, the, so you want the, your not only these guys, you know, even the Penang reclamation thing with the, with the fishermen. So the many situations where our food security is being affected. So one is of course a concern for the farming community. That's one. The other is the food security for us and the future generations in Malaysia. You know, you can't keep on destroying it. So if people can come together and petition their, 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 maybe the early parliament, please go and talk about this, get the government to look into this, see how the government can take back all the land. Now you see this 200, 200 farmers and this 2,000 acres I'm talking about in Para is, um, is all land that's been given to various companies for housing and whatever else. Can the, uh, 
we are, we are suggesting this, the federal government come in, help the state government, use the Land Acquisition Act, take back these lands, and make them permanent uh, food-producing areas. And they don't require money, you've got to pay back the developers. Developers have paid premiums, they have paid monthly, I mean yearly land tax and all that. Maybe they paid money for, for, for the development plans. Reimburse them all those things, get them alternative land. But the land that has been used for agricultural production it should be maintained. So this can this is what we're asking for the farm. So the farmers' demand is. If people can also echo the demand and say, look, that makes sense. Yeah. If, the, if you think the farmers are making money, tax them. I mean, they they they're they're earning. Some farmers earn earn money. Yeah. You know, there are some rich farmers. Many of them are poor farmers, but there are some rich farmers. Tax them. I mean, you're not against taxing people, you know. Tax them. But they're 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 doing a service. And uh, and I think it's an important resource handling our soils that uh, we shouldn't destroy. See, the, the government, the state government has set up six uh, uh, permanent uh, agricultural areas in, in Perak. We went to look at them. Less than a quarter of them are actually producing any vegetables. Because it's not something you can do that easily. You know? It requires the skill to handle the climate and the soil. And these guys have got it to a skill. You know? So I think we are will be very foolish to let this whole community perish. I think people should come forward, form a small group, go and see your MP, go and see your Adun, talk about it. And if this becomes an election issue, then people will get concerned. People on top will get concerned. And on that note, Dr. Kumar, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. That was Dr. Jayakumar Devraj. He's the chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Beyond the Ballot Box, BFM 89.9. This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 